episode. Hey everyone, this is Petri Dish. I'm Sean. I'm Nathan. And today we're here for our third coronavirus mini-sode. We're gonna talk about different strains of coronavirus. One of them's deadly. Hey, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're gonna talk about the politics behind coronavirus, the way that your CDC, Republican controlled, has <laughs> failed you and its kind of unique or novel failures in this uh, pandemic. Yes. So to start out with, there was a paper that came out kind of recently that suggested that there are different strains of the coronavirus that's currently infecting people. So uh, I think one thing that I should say is that if you're kind of out there looking around on the internet, the coronavirus has now two names. Two different groups have named it. Right. One of the names is HCOV-19. And the other one is QAnon Conspiracy. <laughs> and the other one is SARS-CoV-2. Yeah. Okay. And so if you see either one of those, both of those are talking about this new coronavirus. And then the disease that it causes is called COVID-19. So okay. that's, that's the disease. Sort of okay. like how AIDS is the disease and HIV is the virus. Okay, so COVID-19 is what you gave your grandmother. Whoopsie. <laughs> okay. And then we got these two strains that cause it. Yes. Everyone should social distance themselves from old people. So right. if old people weren't isolated enough as it is. Already done it. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> yes. Abandon all your old people. Um, okay. Sorry. So there's a paper that came out that said SARS-CoV-2. There's two strains that appear in China that they called the L strain and the S strain. And so what this would have been from is from mutations that naturally happen in viruses as they kind of spread and replicate and everything. And in the paper, they say that they found these two different lineages. That's not really super in dispute or super crazy. But the next claim that they state is that one of them seems to be more virulent. Okay. More successful at spreading, maybe more successful at killing people. And as is in the case with science, a single paper means it's definitely true. <laughs> right. And I, I mean, like, each scientific paper is like a papal bowl. I, and I think this one even is a preprint, which means it's even less peer review scrutiny. But very readable on Fox. <laughs> right. So one thing I've seen already in Twitter is people ask things like... Why is Bernie losing? <laughs> 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 Why did those cucks not let me have Bernie? Where was the youth vote? <laughs> Where was uh, the youth vote? So... <laughs> Oh, what schmucks. So in Washington State, they'll be like, oh, is the one that's running around in Washington State an L strain or an S strain? You know, this well, kind of Washington, thing. it's definitely the L word. <laughs> <laughs> I think we know that. Yeah, maybe specifically in Seattle. I don't know about the Lesbian rest of Lesbian coronavirus. <laughs> so the thing is that other scientists have now taken the time to read through the paper. Right. And... At least some of them that I've heard commentary from and a few papers that I've seen published in response consider those conclusions to be oversteps. Right. They, like, flipped through it, went back. They're like, who wrote this? And it was, like, Sanjay Gupta or something. (laughs) (laughs) I just think that uh, in some cases, like, if you remember in our last episode, we talked about that paper from a group in India that was talking about how they think some of the spike protein of the coronavirus has HIV elements in it or something. Right. Right. So that paper was retracted because it was just shitty science. Like, it was just bad science. Yeah. This new paper, I don't think it's bad science. I think the conclusions that they draw is an overstep. Okay. And so a lot of the scientists I'm seeing are saying, even if there is such a thing as the L strain and S strain, there's no evidence to suggest that there's any difference in virulence or in sort of mortality rate or anything. Okay. But that hasn't stopped some people from maybe overreading into it. Being like, hey, Sean, I live in Denver. (laughs) 
Do I got the deadly strain? Man, I had somebody yelling at me on Twitter for like a really long time yesterday. Jeez. They were calling me a dirty American. Wow. And Oops. an idiot and all kinds of stuff. Wow. Yeah, because they were saying that I was calling coronavirus a mild flu. Oh, whoops. Which I did not say. Yeah. <laughs> and that I was going to cause a lot of deaths. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so that was fun. Yeah. Twitter's a fun place. That's what you I know, I had someone telling me two nights ago at the bar that it was a mild flu, and then he got belligerently drunk. Uh, uh, it seemed like he took a Xanax and drank, and then so he's fumbling around and wouldn't leave. So I got a cop on him, and as he was leaving, he leaned in and he said, I win. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think you do. <laughs> and he was like, the conversation we have, you don't even know what it means. <laughs> and he was coughing. He was like, ah, Corona's a mouth, it doesn't matter. And then he started coughing a lot. Uh-oh. Yeah, I, I wash my hands, but uh, I also spit in your mouth. So, yeah. Like, yeah. so good luck. Yeah, we both have the itis now. We probably do. Okay, so. So it's that's kind of what a I funny wanna... thing just casually drop on a pod. Like, we probably have coronavirus. <laughs> I think a lot of people do and don't know about it. And that's, that's going to get us to our next point. Oh, yeah. Which is sort of the political side and a little bit on, in the U.S., the CDC's response. Okay. Right. Luckily, the CDC's been keeping very close tabs on how many people have been tested. <laughs> and thus, we know perfectly the spread of the disease and its mortality rate in the United States. So, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> All wrong. The U.S. CDC's response has been basically dog shit. Abysmal. Like, vis-a-vis other countries yeah except iran like maybe incrementally better than iran but we're not a theocracy it should be better than iran right and i would say you know in some situations not necessarily worse than early chinese response right there's Um, like a clear bracketing of early china (laughs) and late china (laughs) right early china oh boy late china's like done a pretty good job but one example of a place that's doing much better is south korea south korea has done a lot of testing shout out to mom and bts <laughs> yes congratulations yeah. bts yeah. and parasite the movie oh that's very that's successful at the yeah Oscars. yeah and turtle boats <laughs> i don't know if you guys know this but it's a boat in the 1500s that helped repel a japanese invasion <laughs> oh my god those four things <laughs> holy shit um okay <laughs> Oh, we should get turtle boats to save us from coronavirus. Instead of cruise ships, turtle boats. Stacey doesn't have time to edit this. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. Okay, so here's the thing, is that the WHO director recently put out a statement that said that 3.4% of people who have been infected uh, and have COVID-19 have passed away, right? So Is he uh, European, though? I think he's African. Oh, okay. I believe it then. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing about 3.4% and sort of that out of the WHO is it's what's called a case fatality rate. Okay. In that it's just how many deaths divided by how many confirmed cases. Right. And there's a lot of other kinds of modeling you can do to try to get a more accurate case fatality rate, which the WHO already does. They already, yeah, the WHO, the band. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Keep going. (laughs) They already release really good case fatality breakdowns by age group. Like, for example, this is way more fatal than 3.4% for people over the age of 80, right? Like, it's got a case fatality rate of something like 15% or something. It's okay. not great. So, um, so who has been doing a lot of the statistical work that's valuable? What has South Korea done that's so impressive? They've tested a lot of people. Right. And their tests are ones that who developed or they developed? So I think based off of sort of guidelines that who has put out, a lot of nations have sort of developed tests and... I think Korea's tests are ones that they've developed in-house. Right. That's what enables you to scale up quickly, is that there's this blueprint that who made, and you can work off of it. Yeah, and I think also the Korean government has put a lot of backing behind their response in really ramping up how many tests they're doing. But in the U.S., our response has been 
very shitty. And so, for example, right now, the U.S. has one of the highest case fatality rates in the world. That is mostly because the only cases that we really know about are serious cases. Right. We're just not testing enough people. And so if we were testing way more widely, first of all, we would have thousands of confirmed cases in the U.S. For right. sure. Because but there's also, definitely that But many. also, it would probably be the case that the mortality rate is adjusted and would be a lot lower. Right. Yes. And what, what is it in Korea where they test widely? Right. In Korea, the case fatality rate is 0.6%. Okay. So it's less than the three that we're talking about in America or whatever it is. Right. It's less than the three and it's less than the even sort of lower number that was quoted before, right. which is kind of around 2% right. and everything. So Korea's case fatality rate is very low, but it's not because they have some kind of miracle cure that's saving people. Kimchi! <laughs> it's just because they're finding more people. Right. 0.6% is still quite a bit higher than the common flu, for which people have immunities and is about 0.1%, right? Right. So it's still higher and should be taken seriously. Yes, I have something to say about that too, uh, which is... There, there's this epidemic curve, basically, which is like, you know, as more people get sick, they spread it to more people, you get more and more people sick. And then at some point, you kind of start maxing out the curve, and it kind of starts falling off. It looks kind of like a bell curve, right? right? But of course, in a nation of 350 million people, we haven't hit that point yet. Right, that's true. But what I want to say is that most of the time, that bell curve can be flattened by good responses, social right. distancing, doing things like canceling big events. Uh, South by Southwest. Yeah, exactly. And so these kinds of things can flatten the curve. Even if the same number of people get sick, if you flatten the curve, that means that the people get sick kind of over a longer period of time. So right. that, that's annoying, but flattening the curve means that the peak number of people sick is lower. Yeah. Okay. And that's really important because there's a certain number of beds we have. Right. There's a certain number of masks that we have. There's a certain number of respirators we have for serious pneumonia cases. Right. So if it's flattened, we can handle that. But if there's a sudden spike in the amount of people sick, if the bell curve is really extreme, then our system becomes overwhelmed. Right. The effects are more deleterious and worse than they would otherwise have to be. Yes. So in the case of seasonal flus, the number of cases, so like a lot of people get sick, the number of cases that are sick enough that require hospitalization is about 1.3%. Right. Okay? So, hey, that's still hundreds of thousands of people in the U.S. in a year. Okay? Right. It's a lot. But for COVID-19, 20% more or less right. require hospitalization. Which is a bigger number. I'm not good at math. <laughs> <laughs> Which is more than 1.3%. And depending on how many people get infected, maybe that'll be more, maybe that'll be not more than from seasonal flu. But hey... We're currently in flu season already. There's right. already people hospitalized because of the flu. Right. We're not going to have enough beds if we don't do some flattening of this epidemic curve. Right. And if that happens, the case fatality rate reacts to that, right? right. If people have serious pneumonia and they can't get a respirator, there's going to be more mortality. And the goal to flattening that curve, like the first step of flattening that curve, is to have a lot of tests be able to test people who show any symptoms, and then social distance, right? Yeah, self-quarantining, right? So a week, a couple of weeks. Having a system where people can self-quarantine, right? So that means that... Paid leave. <laughs> right. Paid leave, support systems in place. Well, I don't know if you've heard of this, Sean, but capitalism, <laughs> God's given system, means you need to get coronavirus. <laughs> so all of these things are, I think, big 
issues that people need to be aware of. I don't think that the mortality rate from COVID-19 is so crazy high. People need to be flipping out, super scared. I don't think people should be going out buying a bunch of N95 respirators to wear. Right. But a lot of people could unnecessarily die if we don't flatten the curve. And I think a lot of people need to be more mad at the CDC. Okay, so what have they done? Right. So the CDC, as the national group that kind of coordinates disease response, what they should have been doing is, first of all, producing a lot more tests, having those tests work, which the first batch had some kind of issue that seemed to keep them from working. Okay, so, so they sent out their first batch in when? Like February? Yeah, yeah. If okay. I remember, it was about a month ago that they were trying. And their first set of tests just didn't work. At least in a number of the labs that they were sent to. So, okay. so basically the idea with the test is you want to try to verify the test first, right? To make sure that you can run it properly in your yeah. lab. And so they send it with a positive control and a negative control. So that means that one of the testing things has the virus and the other testing thing definitely doesn't. And then when you test them, you should get positive for the one with the virus and negative for the one without. And when tests started to not work, they blamed local labs until it became apparent that they just had sent out faulty equipment. Yes. So it it seems like their kits were faulty. So then they they scratched that, decided, like, like, okay, we need to revamp it up and make it again. Okay. And luckily, they've been using WHO outlines this whole time, right? So unfortunately, for reasons that are not at all clear... Well, America first. (laughs) Analysis by at least a couple of scientists of what are called the PCR primers in the kit. Those are the things that help you read the virus RNA to be able to identify it properly. Those primers don't seem to be designed very well. Wow. Um, They seem to have... Wow, 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 wow. From my understanding, relatively rudimentary mistakes about primer design that people who do PCR a lot have been kind of shouting on Twitter, like, why did you make them this way? Right. So that's pretty fucked up. Okay, you and know. is that the current set of tests that they've sent? Yes. Okay, so the current set of tests are still poorly designed, even though there is a design that other nations are using created by WHO that the CDC, for reasons completely unknown, just decided to entirely ignore. Yeah, so my understanding is that there's probably between two and six sets of primers designed all over the world that, as far as I'm aware, are better designed than the CDC. Wow, 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 wow. Um, So I don't totally know why they did that. But But luckily, they've made enough tests. (laughs) So that's another thing, is that we were told earlier this week that there would be a million tests shipped out by the end of this week. That is not true. Okay. It's not even close. How many tests per state? About 7,000. Okay. 7,500 maybe. So, so for example, California has about 7,000 test kits. Washington has about 7,000 test right. kits. And for a frame of reference, like the population of a Walmart in Tulsa, Oklahoma is 7,000 people. <laughs> well, for another frame of reference, South Korea tests tens of thousands of people per day. Right, because they got drive-through test sites. Yeah, and California has the capacity to test approximately 1,000 people per day. Right. So that would mean that... Seven days, baby. Yeah, we've received about a week's worth of tests. Right. But 1,000 people per day is our beginning amount before we ramp up because we should be able to test way more than that. California's right. population, we need to be testing 10,000 people per day, right. not 1,000. And we have the density to just do it, right? right. Like, yeah. like, there's no reason Los Angeles or San Francisco can't be doing this. Right. And then another populous state in the union like Texas, they can test like 25 people per day. Right. So there's a huge disparity in how many people we can test. 
There's really terrible numbers for how many tests we've had sent out. And on top of all of that, each state's sort of public health office is now responsible for keeping track of how many people they've tested and how many people have tested positive. The CDC is no longer collecting the data on how many people have been tested. Okay, so that and that's a separate issue, right? Yes, that is an additional issue and shirking of their responsibility. Okay, so did they used to keep track? Yes. Okay, and why did they stop? And when? Right, so they stopped collecting, I think, mm, a week ago, maybe two weeks ago. Yeah. And their reasoning was that all of the tests previously were done by the CDC right. before. And now that they've sort of devolved that responsibility out to a bunch of states, now each state can take care of it and the CDC doesn't have to do it anymore. Yeah. This coincides with Donald Trump paying attention, <laughs> Mike Pence being in charge of messaging, and the message being, let's calm down stock markets and pretend that this disease does not exist. So it's, I think, an excellent question about whether or not this is politically motivated or just a shithead bureaucratic move because it's a really dumb idea. Right. Individual public health offices in individual states are going to be completely slammed with trying to deal with their coronavirus crisis. This is precisely the time for a centralized authority to be just collecting this information and displaying it to the public. Knowing how many people tested positive is not useful information unless you know how many total people have been tested. Right. So if it's like, oh, we have 100 cases, but we've only tested 200, that's not very good compared to we have 100 cases, but we've tested 100,000, right? That gives us much better information about how many people are potentially infected out there. Right. So do you think that there's a Christian conspiracy inside the <laughs> Trump administration to let a pandemic spread in order to purge us of our sins and prepare us for rapture? So 5% so, chance, so unlikely. I don't, I don't love conjecture, but definitely. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's step one. Uh, step two is you got to remember, as good conservatives, we believe in the preservation <laughs> of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And sometimes that means we can't let the government and a central authority ram down our throats. <laughs> you know, information like how many people get tested. Okay, Sean, that's wow. a slippery slope to authoritarianism and socialism. Yeah, yikes. Yikes, big time. <laughs> I mean, the states have to have these devolved powers to maintain liberty. <laughs> In any case, I think that that's all a huge problem. And I think that that means that there's a number of cases out there that we do not know about, and they're not going to know to quarantine themselves or self-distance. You know, luckily, there are some other places in the U.S., that are kind of taking on the responsibilities that the CDC is shirking. Right, the University of Washington. Right, so the University of Washington system in Washington State, which is one of the epicenters, right? There's all those nursing homes right. in Seattle and everything that are getting Woo! hit. Man. Not great. Yeah, you guys ever think, like, this is just a mild flu? Maybe it is for you. Like right. one of those retirement homes. Well, actually, that's a, that's a really great thing to bring up, actually, which is there's some young people that are like, so far, it seems like young people don't get killed by this, right? Sweet. So, so they're like, all right, so I'm going to get the flu this year, and that's yeah. going to suck, right? Listen, there are other people than you. Right. Like, you know, there are older people. There are immunocompromised people. Yeah. This disease will definitely fuck those people up. So. You don't turn out the vote. <laughs> you don't wash your fucking hands. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. Yeah, you killed Bernie both by not voting and with coronavirus. Yeah, Bernie's going to die. <laughs> okay. All right, so look. University of Washington, Seattle, really big epicenter. They have been making their own test, and they've been sending that out to people, or they're starting to. 
And then Quest Diagnostics, a private company, they're going to start developing their own test and using that. That might be coming soon. So there's these people that are trying to pick up the ball. Right. But like... Because it's not centralized, it could have been done so much faster with so much more efficiency. Yeah. And obviously, the epidemic does not see state lines. Yeah. So instead of buying like a Walmart's worth of toilet paper... I think people should just be mad at the CDC. Like, if you want to spend your energy on something about this, yeah. be mad at the CDC and the government's response to this because they really fucked this up. Well, the Republican government. I mean, because yeah. Trump requested, like, one point... I mean, we got. I think we should always clarify that because some people are like, the government. It's like, no. Okay. It's the elected people you elected, <laughs> the Republicans. Right? Like, didn't Trump fire his entire pandemic squad in the CDC, like, two years ago? Because he's like, he's yeah. like, Ebola's just black people from shithole countries who even cares beating out their balls. Yeah, I feel like... That was part of the anything Obama did was bad response, right? Because that team was actually set up by the Obama administration. Right. That team was scrapped. I don't know enough about the internal CDC stuff to know how big of an impact that had. Right. But it probably wasn't useful. So in any case, I think that's the main stuff for coronavirus for this episode. I mean, obviously, there's going to be a lot of other things that crop up in the upcoming weeks. But yeah, be mad at the CDC. Yeah. And I think the takeaway, the final takeaway is AOC should not have invented coronavirus. (laughs) To ruin the Trump administration in the Damn stock market. Damn you, AOC. Um. <laughs> I'm so mad at how hot you are. Yeah, that's funny because China has a conspiracy theory that the U.S. made the coronavirus. And yeah. the U.S. has a conspiracy theory that Democrats made the coronavirus. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so we'll see you guys next time for our regular episode and then also maybe a future coronavirus update. Back to you guys later. Petri-tree.